This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We are a church that loves God and loves people. Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. How many of you, that is your goal, to fulfill your God-given purpose in life? That's what it's all about, guys. If this is your first time joining us, uh, again, we're in the 29th week of a 31-week series we're calling The Story. As I always say, we started back in February at the book of Genesis. We'll end in two weeks uh, in the book of Revelation. Our goal has been to understand what God has been up to. What is this book all about? And we know that it is all about God's plan to bring humanity back into relationship with him the way he originally intended it, right? Thank God for that. So as we look at it real quick, you know, I, I hope you guys are getting a vision now of the beauty of God's word. A lot of people, like I always say, don't open the Bible outside of Sunday if they even do then. And they only know the Bible for what they've been taught. A lot of people in the world today view the Bible as a book of a bunch of rules and regulations, a bunch of don'ts. Guys, it's not what it's about. This is the most beautiful story that could ever be written. We know that, you know, it's, it's a story of how love conquered sin and death, right? And made a way. And from that very moment, from that first moment when Adam and Eve took the bite of that fruit, humanity was signal, signaling to God that we weren't aligning ourselves with his plan and his way. We sinned against him. And so what happened? For the first time... Death came into the story of humanity. Death became our story. And along with death comes pain and illness and rejection and anger and fear and doubt and depression and shame and all these things that come with a fallen world, right? And so the reality is we were created for this to be in community with God, but that relationship was broken, right? But God wants us back, so he what, launches his plan through the nation of Israel. Through Israel brings forth Jesus. Jesus would come from the upper story, but would be born into, as a human through the Virgin Mary, right? He would grow up as a human being among us, and for those last three years of his life, he would walk among us, talk among us, teach us. He would heal. He would, he would, uh, he would perform miracles and signs and wonders. And then a few weeks ago, we got to that Friday. That Friday that is prophesied about all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, guys. That Friday, when Jesus would do what he ultimately came to do, he would fulfill his mission. As he did a lot of great things while I was walking on the earth, but it was all about the cross. I don't know if you remember Michael W. Smith's old song, Secret Ambition. That got me as a teenager. I never thought about it. Jesus had a secret plan from the, from the very beginning. That plan was to give his life away. And he did it. Amen? We know that three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he singled, signaled to the world that he was not just a good guy with good intentions. He was not just a prophet like a lot of people say today. He also was not some madman. There, there was actually a lot of madmen back then who claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus was not one of those. Because when he rose from the dead... He showed to the whole world that he was not an ordinary man. That he was God himself in flesh, right? And we know that he was the promised Messiah, the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. And that in that moment, he defeated Satan. He conquered sin and death for us. Which brings us to what we talked about last week. The good news. What is the good news? The good news is that any person, say any person, any person, any person, regardless of where you live, regardless of what you've done, regardless of your past, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of the color of your skin, any person who surrenders and puts their faith in the finished work of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, they become a new creation, a child of God. 
That wall that separated us, us, there's a big open door now. And we can step right back through it. And because of this hope, guys, this is the reason that in the midst of a chaotic world, we can live fearless lives. We have nothing to fear ever. And when we live by the principles of God's word, it brings us success and joy and purpose in our lives. So that brings us to the question this week. How are people supposed to hear this good news? Guys, I told you, it's your story now, right? Somebody say it again, it's about me. It's our story. So last week we jumped in. Jesus gives this mission to his followers, right? He tells them, Go proclaim the good news to the world, the whole world. We knew this would be quite an undertaking, but Jesus doesn't leave them high and dry. He gives them everything they need to successfully accomplish this purpose, right? In the book of Acts, we saw Jesus ascend into heaven, but he sends the Holy Spirit to empower believers to accomplish the task that they've been given. So the Holy Spirit comes, and he gives them the empowerment to walk exactly how Jesus had walked. The same empowerment that Jesus had, the Holy Spirit gave to the believers, right? They had supernatural courage and gifts and abilities that they walked in. The Holy Spirit was able to work through these men and women and perform signs and wonders and miracles, always bringing glory to God and bringing people into the family of God. That's what it's all about. So this week, as we read chapter 29, guys, there was a tremendous amount to this chapter, crazy uh, amount of information and things going on here. And, and I, I just pray, Lord, what, what do you have to say to us through this? And I, I, I've told some of you, I, I think we're going to kind of come January, February, we're going to backtrack and, and kind of start hitting some of this stuff slowly because, again, this is our story now. And so who are we as the church. What are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to function? What is the authority that we've been given? We need to talk about those things. But as we take up the reading for this week, you've got the believers, they're in Israel, right? The Holy Spirit's been poured out. They're in Jerusalem. The believers are gathered there in Israel. They now number in the thousands. And they're trucking forward, bringing the good news to the Jews. But have you know that God had other bigger plans? Somebody better say praise the Lord. I don't know any Jews in the room. Might be. Guys, in our reading, let me just just sum up real quick. In our reading this week, we see Paul and Barnabas commissioned by the church in Antioch to go do the work that God had called them to. We see them traveling by foot and by ship to preach in various cities and locations. We see the point where Paul's message is largely rejected by the Jews. At which point he says, all right. Now I'm going to the Gentiles, which was anybody that's not a Jew, right? Would anybody in here be considered a Gentile? We would have been considered Gentiles. So Paul does this to fulfill a prophecy that Isaiah had given many years earlier. And he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul is fulfilling this prophecy. And this is precisely what Paul did. He took the good news to the Gentiles. Was he successful? Yes, we're here today. He started it, right? Thank God. He stepped into what God called him to and was obedient. So we see Paul and his companions preaching to more cities. We see him healing the sick, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. We see a point where the people are trying to worship them as gods. And, and it says they were grieved to the heart. And they said, no, stop, get up. We're just men. And they gave all the glory to God. We see a point where they're stripped and beaten and imprisoned after, after casting the spirit out of a fortune teller. But as they're in prison and, they, and they're worshiping and, and singing God's praises, we know the place was shaken, right? And the shackles came off and the doors were open. But they didn't go. What did they do? They lead the jailer to Jesus. 
We see them teaching in Corinth and Ephesus and other cities. We see the story of the seven sons of Sceva. We read more about some of Paul's teachings. But guys, as I'm reading this and and I'm looking at this story overall, I see the followers of Jesus stepping into the role that God called them to. I see them choosing to obey. I see them maturing and growing. And I see them taking responsibility for what God has called them to in the earth. And I would tell you, I think we could learn a lot from them today. I think we could learn a whole lot. These believers that we read about, they are who we know as the church, right? They were the church. And guys, this is really important for us because, as I said, for the first time, this really impacts you directly. You are the church. These early believers, the early church, their mission is your mission. Their mandate is your mandate. Their responsibilities are your responsibilities. The way they live their lives, it's the way we're to live our lives. The standards and principles that they live by, same applies to us. And people will say, well, that was a long time ago. Things have changed. No. No, guys. This is your story. Things have not changed. Society has changed. The world's changed. 2020 changed. The kingdom hasn't changed, folks. Hasn't changed. That's where your true citizenship is if you're a follower of Jesus. Hadn't changed one iota. couple points I want to make in this. And guys, I'm just, I, I tried doing my two or three, four points like I normally do, but I just want to discuss this. Because you are the church. One of the points I want to make is that the church is the body of Christ in the earth today. Who in here is part of the church? You are the body of Christ today. Now, this is the natural progression from where we've come since last week. Jesus ascended into heaven, right? We know that when Jesus walked on earth, he was fully God, right? He was also fully man, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was fully man. Do you recognize that Jesus had limitations? What? Jesus? He had limitations. The same limitations you have. He had flesh. Thus, he could only lay a hand on one person at a time. He could only speak to one crowd at a time. He was limited by human flesh. But if he left, he could send the Holy Spirit. And every person that put their faith and trust in him could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And together, all of these believers would be united under one baptism. Remember we talked about the baptisms. We're talking about, not talking about baptism of water. We're talking about baptism into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. All the believers, the Bible says, united in one baptism would have one purpose and have one mission. These united believers would have the authority to walk in the name of Jesus. They would be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit, enabling them to do the same works as Jesus did. These believers, called the church, would essentially be Jesus in the earth, right? That's why we're called the hands and feet of Jesus. We are his body in the world today. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Most of you probably know this. Just... For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all made to drink of one spirit. Let me read to you from the Passion Translation real quick. It says, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that come together to form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we were immersed and mingled into a single body. 
And no matter our status, whether Jew nor non-Jew, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. And guys, let's break that down for just a second. When we talk about the beginning of that, actually just put up the ESV version again one more time, if you will, right quick. Look at that, that very first line. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Now, he's referring to the physical body here, right? Our physical body. Everybody got one? <laughs> that body has many parts, right? Some of you aren't sure. <laughs> Nod the part of your body called your head. Blink the part of your body called the eyes. Get the part of your body called your left arm. Everybody got one? Put your left arm in. Left arm out. Left arm in. Shake it all about. Put your backside in. Um, everybody understands we, our body is made up of many parts. But look at the very next words. It says, so it is with Christ. This is saying that we are all part of Jesus' physical body in the earth today. We do, we do the physical work of Jesus in the earth. We also do the spiritual work by the Holy Spirit, right? We are his body. We have his name. We have his authority. We have his power. We are his body. And with that comes responsibility. Next thing I want to mention to you, guys, listen. As a member of the body of Christ, you have a vital part to play. Remember it mentioned the importance of every part? That's you and that's me, right? You were created with purpose and intentionality. And not one of us was meant to ride, sit, sit, sit on the sidelines. Not one of us was meant to be the lazy bum who sat it out and did their own thing. I mean, imagine that left arm that you, your, your, your head just told to do the hokey pokey, right? That left arm. Imagine if your left arm said, I can't believe you asked me to do the hokey pokey. I'm tired of this mess. I'm done. I'm taking the next two years off. It's all stupid. You're like, what? I'm done. Can you imagine? In the meantime, the rest of the body has to compensate for the arm's refusal to do its part. Are you following me? And the body has to carry that dead weight around. That's not willing to do anything. I think this is what many members of the body of Christ look like today. You may not feel like it right now. You might feel inadequate. You might feel like the very last person that God would ever choose to be a part of his body. But he has. He's chosen you. We talked briefly about Saul last week. Well, let's look real quick about Saul's, at Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. In verses 1 and 2, he's on the road to Damascus, right? And actually, this is just before the road to Damascus. It says, but Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if any could be found belonging to the way, that's what they were called, followers of the way, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, to be imprisoned or executed. Guys, I don't know how much longer it was, but he's asking for letters to go to Damascus, so I, I, it may very well have been the next day. He's on that road, right? And his whole world turns upside down. But here's the thing. This is who, look at that first line again. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This is who Saul was when God called him. Man, 
and you think God can't call you. Breathing threats and murder. Saul of Tarsus was the most unlikely candidate to be chosen. I I mean, the, the Jews would have looked at him as a terrorist. He was the Osama bin Laden to the Jews. I mean, I'm sorry, to the, to the believers, the followers of Jesus, the followers of the way. Y'all see that? He hated Jesus. He hated the church. He hunted down Christians. And he cast his vote for them to be executed. And we think God wouldn't choose us. Even Saul, who we know later becomes Paul, even he was amazed that God would choose him. If you look at it, you see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you guys probably know this too. In verse 9, it says, his Paul speaking says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But get verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and I love it. Look at this last part. Look at this. And his grace toward me was not in vain. That is huge. He says, yeah, that's that's who I was. But by the grace of God, he turned my life around and he forgave me. And that grace will not be given in vain in my life. We know that Paul goes on to plant at least 10 churches, and he writes 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And guys, if God can bring Saul into the fold, if he can make him part of the body, if he can call Saul to a life of purpose, then as a follower of Jesus, he has most certainly done the same for you. You have a vital part to play in the body of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, then his mandate, his compassion, his command... His commission, it should be burning within you. How many of you would say, it doesn't always burn within me like it should? I forget sometimes. Some of you are afraid to raise your hands. Guys, come on. How many of us forget sometimes? This is why we're alive. We forget. We forget. So where do we start? few things I want to mention right quick. What does the Bible say about the body of Christ? As a part of the body of Christ, you are a representative of Jesus. You represent him in all that you say and do. Let me show you. If we go to Colossians, and we look in Colossians chapter 3, look at what it says. He says, whatever you do or say, somebody say whatever. whatever. It means anything. Everything, whatever, anything and everything that you say and do, do it as a what? As a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Guys, together, these believers, the church, us, we are the body of Christ. But with that in mind, it's very important that we think like Jesus and that we act like Jesus, and that we love like Jesus. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 21. It says, For this, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Peter's saying, this is what you've been called to. You've been called to follow in the steps of Jesus. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's Paul here. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He's writing to the church in Corinth and going, guys, we got to rein this in a little bit. We, we, talked, uh, we, we talked last year a little bit about the, about the early church. and the, uh, Paul, Paul, I mean, he had quite a challenge in front of him. That was a pagan society when he was going to the Gentiles. We think it was easier than the Jews. (laughs) I don't know about that. This was a pagan society. Paul's saying, you want to know how to live? He says, follow my example because I'm closely following Jesus's. Let's follow that example together. 
We have got to think like Jesus, look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus. How does the gospel get spread? The good news get spread? By Jesus, through his body, through his voice coming through us, as his representatives, to every person we come in contact with, right? So we're representatives of Jesus. So why is it so important how we act? Oh, remember how it said, in whatever you say or do? Why is this so important? Because we are representatives of the truth that, we're, that we have put our hope in. That is our testimony, that we have put our hope in this truth. But sometimes I think we communicate something different. I mean, think about, I was trying to think of examples. Imagine somebody who was a, Imagine somebody who is a, a salesman, I'd say a sales lady, a, a makeup sales, salesperson, okay? Selling makeup and going around and saying, this new makeup, you got to buy this. It is the greatest. It's great for every skin type and every complexion, and it works for everybody. Everybody loves it. Everybody I talk to, they would never go back. And the person says, well, why aren't you wearing it? Ah, oh, well, it doesn't work real good for my skin. It does weird things to my skin, and it's never really looked right. Not a very good representative, right? Probably doesn't need to be doing that job. Now, take it a step further. What if somebody sat down with the Word of God and was teaching you, and they're teaching you about the power of the tongue, about blessing and cursing, but they're cursing throughout it? You'd be like, what's wrong with you? Right? Right? I was thinking about my buddy Zach in this. About how you don't live by the example? No. <laughs> no. Guys, I was thinking, as I was thinking of examples in this, I was thinking about, many of you know that, that Zach is a, he's a um, financial investor, um, a, a financial advisor for um, Edward Jones Investments. And he helps people invest and, and build wealth, right? So can you imagine as, with Zach as a representative of Edward Jones Investments, Right? You ever call his phone? Hi, this is Zach Davis, Edward Jones Investments. As, an, as a representative of Edward Jones Investments, could you imagine if he had an appointment, a new client, wanted to meet with him, wants to meet at the office, client standing there, where in the world is that? He rolls up about 20 minutes late in a hoopty car that's backfiring, <laughs> stalls, stalls out and rolls into the space, boom, hits, hits the curb. And he gets out and his hair is straight up in the air and he's wearing a ripped up Michelob t-shirt. <laughs> Guzzling an energy drink. Sorry, man, I ran into a bunch of effing traffic out there. Probably wouldn't be a financial advisor very long, right? Instead, any of you have seen Zach during the week? Know that he wears a nicely starched shirt and suit, right? He's on time, looks professional, treats people with respect, talks in a professional manner, right? Why? Because he's representing something. Representing something. Remember, Jesus told us to be his witnesses. He actually didn't say to go witness. That's actually a term that we've actually made into a verb. He told us to be the witness. Now, nothing wrong with witnessing in the way that we've made that word. We, we need to witness. But the problem is, if we put priority on witnessing over being a witness, what we've done is we've made witnessing a one-time event. Instead of a 24-7 lifestyle and identity of being the witness. And if, we will, and if we will take that on and if we will actually be the witness, then it will testify to the truth and add credibility to the truth that we are speaking even when we're not witnessing intentionally. Wow. 
We are Jesus' representatives. We witness of him and the good news. We testify to the world. Remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we read this last week, some of Jesus' last words. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus commissions the church to go into all the world and be witnesses of the good news. How the good news has changed your life and how it will change the lives of those around us. God wants us to go to the other parts of the earth and share the good news. But to be his witnesses and to testify of the truth, we need to be, recognize that we're a representative, Right? I think that there's some areas we need to get our lives together. We need to bring our flesh into submission. You recognize when we try to be a witness, but we haven't, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we haven't brought our flesh into submission. Do you recognize that it chips away at the credibility of the truth that we're speaking? As a, if you're a parent, you've probably learned that you need to lead your children by example, right? If you tell your kids it's not good to do certain things, but you do them yourself. If you tell your kids to live one way, but you're living a different way, all you've done is tarnished and undermined your own credibility. They're going to take the things that you say less and less seriously, right? So unfortunately, while the church is still the hope of the world, I think many times we can be our own worst enemy. And we testify to the world about God's love in the next breath. We're cursing out and flipping off the person in traffic next to us. Guys, we got to pull our flesh in order. If we're going to stand up in the world today, we need to look like Jesus. Like I say, not perfect, but quick to repent. And repent doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. It means to stop it means to stop. Stop messing around and sinning and, and doing that stuff that we were doing before, right? We talk about forgiveness, but we vomit all over social media about how we were done wrong by somebody. We preach a Bible that teaches us to pray for our governing authorities, but instead we decide just to gripe about them all, right? I had a a guy that, I, I don't think you'll mind saying this, I'm not going to say his name, he's not here today, but you guys would know who he is. He was part of our church years ago and moved away, but he met with me a number of years back and we sat in a little cafe in Memphis and he was just broken down. I was like, what in the world is going on? And he said, you see this intersection over here? We were sitting at this cafe right by the center. You see this intersection? He said, a few days ago, I was sitting there during my lunch break and I was sitting in that intersection waiting on traffic to move, lights change. And somebody cut right in front of me as we started to move. And I think cut him off. And he actually went over like some cones because he was cut off. And he said he went into such a rage. He was so angry. He chased after the guy. You guys know, know him. He, he's served in different areas of the church and stuff. You, you guys love him. Seriously. <laughs> he actually followed the guy to his workplace and rolled down his window and cussed him out for cutting him off. And he was just broken. He said, I blew my witness. How in the world could I ever tell somebody, tell that guy that Jesus is the hope of your life? And he actually, I don't know if he ever got, I don't know that he ever got to, but he was trying to figure out a way to go find the guy again to repent. Guys, we have to be a godly witness as a part of the body of Christ, even, even when people aren't watching. Why? Because everybody's watching today. And there's cameras everywhere. And if you don't think your phone can't get hacked, what would the hackers find if it was your iCloud that got hacked? Would the content be a witness and a testimony to the greatness of our God? Your photos, your messages, what if it was open for the world to see? It happens. We must take responsibility for our life, our words, our actions, 
and take up the mantle of what Jesus has called us to. As I start wrapping up, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Kim, who is the head, that is Christ. Who wants to be that mature part of the body? There's a problem. There's like four of us with our hands up. (laughs) From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Who here's a ligament in the body? I am. Grows and builds itself up in love. That's, That's our work. Growing and building each other up in love as each part does its work. Nobody was meant to ride the sidelines, to sit on the sidelines. We're supposed to take responsibility for our part in the family. Hopefully you don't let your kids slide by without doing anything and making any contribution to your family. Hopefully you expect them to mature and to grow and to contribute, not to be lazy bum, letting everybody else do the work. Guys, the, the chapter was entitled Paul's Mission, and Paul had a part to play, and he knew what it was, and he knew where strength came from. If you look at Colossians, back to Colossians chapter 1, In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, look what he says. He said, he, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This isn't just talking about you. It's talking about us presenting those around us in our life as mature believers in Christ before the Father. That's what it's all about, doing our part, bringing in the lost, discipling them so that in the end, we can present them before the Lord as mature believers. Guys, that's when the Father looks at us and he says, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. This is where we get our mission as Church of the Harvest, to make disciples to grow disciples, and to equip disciples, followers of Jesus, to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. But look at what Paul says next. Put, put up that last verse for just a second. We just looked at it, 128. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so we may present ourselves fully mature in Christ. And then verse 29. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. Look at the New Living Translation. This is what Paul says. He says, this is why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. What's he struggling and working so hard for? For the lost. To bring them in and disciple them so that he can present them before the Father in the end as mature believers. Guys, like Paul, all of our might all of our strength, all of our energy needs to go into fulfilling the mission that Jesus called us to. And for us to be successful in fulfilling this mission in the earth, we must be imitators of Jesus and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit within us, right? When we yield to God's will, here's what we find, guys. Some people sit by and and feel like... They're not doing anything for God because they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to do something powerful in them. Guys, what we'll find is when we, when we surrender ourselves, the Holy Spirit is always eager to move. He's always eager to use us. He's always eager to speak through us. He would do it 24-7 if our bodies could stay awake that long. You get that? We yield ourselves and allow Him to work through us. For believers, this is our power source. Our power over sin and guilt and shame. The power to love our spouse. The power to to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. Power to get through difficult situations. the The power to come alongside others and help them in their times of need. That's our mission. Now we know that Jesus was a Jew. And so the good news was first given to the Jews. It happened right there in Jerusalem, right? That was the focal point where everything happened. But God gives Paul a specific mission to go and bring the good news to the Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile. Paul's mission was to get the good news out to us. And he did a great job at that. But, guys, 
if there was ever a wall, I think, that needed to come down right now in the body of Christ, you know, early on it was, it was between Jew and Gentile. You know, we, they, they didn't love each other very much. They didn't like each other or trust each other. But God's vision was for them to be one. Remember Jesus' prayer? That they be one as you and I, Father, are one, right? I think one of the greatest walls that needs to come down today is the walls in the body of Christ. We have to stop making judgments of those of other denominations. Start focusing on the non-negotiables of the word, not the, not the arguing matters that have no you know, bearing on eternity. And we need to stand together in unity. I, I looked a good while back and, you know, there are over 2,000 churches in the Memphis metro area with registered addresses. 2,000, guys. You imagine that? I didn't think it was quite that high. I thought maybe there was a thousand. Two thousand. Why isn't this whole region turned upside down for Jesus? I'd present to you part of the problem could be is because we're two thousand divided entities. Because here's the reality there's only one church in the Memphis metro area, there's only one. There's one body. I read a study recently that said that if Christian churches across America united, that in one year, the foster system could be completely wiped out. Could you imagine what we could do if the body of Christ all came together and we stopped bickering and arguing over things that don't really matter? Mind-blowing, right? I see Christians arguing, getting on others because... Because I got a tattoo. You know what the Bible says about tattoos, brother? You shall not put any mark up. Come on, guys. We've got to come together and move forward. Today, there's an estimated 2.2 billion Christians in the world of every race. And it all started with Jesus and 12 apostles and moved on to Paul who took up the mandate to take the good news to the believers, or, or to the Gentiles. But how do you know the work isn't done? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. And that's where you and I come in. God has given us a part to play in the unfolding of his upper story. And he has equipped us to successfully accomplish everything that he's called us to. Are you ready to do your part? Do you know what even talks about? Do you know the Bible even says we can hasten the coming of the Lord? We have in our minds that there's a date that the Father only knows. It's way out there somewhere, that, that date. You know the Bible says the church can hasten the day of the Lord? Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Guys, we are praying and seeking direction as a church family for next steps and how we can better equip you and demonstrate for you the life mission that Jesus has called you to. But I encourage you to begin, if you have not, to open your minds and hearts to this task. We need to begin to walk with an awareness that every single person that we lay our eyes on is either lost or saved. Might bring it a lot more to our awareness. Maybe we can get some VR glasses one day or something that puts a big label over every person that, that we see. Maybe if we saw how many people were headed for hell, it would actually motivate us, light a fire under us, and get us moving. We need to walk with an awareness. Every person's either lost or saved. We've got to get vulnerable and allow our heart to begin to ache for the lost the way that the Father's heart aches. It will motivate us. Are you ready to do your part? Let's all stand up. First and foremost, let's all bow our heads. Guys, this is the greatest love story ever told. When you were lost, God made a way. 
He gave first. All you've got to do is receive it. You repent, you turn from your past, your sinful ways. You take up the mantle of Jesus. You follow in his footsteps. And you confess. You answer that question that he asked. Who do you say that I am? I confess that you are Lord of my life. And you make that your confession every day for the rest of your life. You've got to receive it, guys. If you're here and you have never received Jesus, you have never made Jesus your Savior, then none of this matters, guys. None of this matters. All this purpose that I'm talking about doesn't matter until you surrender your life to Jesus. With every head bowed, that's you. And you would say, I need to get my life in order. I don't care if you prayed a prayer before or not, Lord, guys. You know if your heart is really surrendered to him or not. With every head bowed, if that's you, I want you to be bold and I want you to lift your hand. Who would say, I need to get my life right with the Lord today? Come on, guys. I, I feel in the depths of my heart right now, there is somebody. All right? Anybody else? You may be watching online. I can't see your hand, but God does. He sees your willing heart. So we're going to pray a prayer together. And I invite you to make the best decisions you'll ever make in your life. Change directions. Choose Jesus. So I'll pray, Heavenly Father, I recognize I'm lost in my sin. I'm lost in my selfishness. I'm lost in my shame. Today I give you my heart. And I thank you I'm able to do so because of what Jesus did. He saw me lost in my sin. And he came and he took that sin and he took it to the grave. He paid the price for my sin. He took what I deserved and he declared me free. So today, I repent of my sin. I turn from my sinful ways. And Jesus, I choose your way. And I confess that you are Lord. You're the son of the living God. And I will follow you all the days of my life. No turning back. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to do everything you've called me to do. I'm yours to the end. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name. Lord, as your followers, we, rest, we recognize that that grace that you extended toward us, it's so empty if we don't extend it to somebody else. Jesus, you called us to something greater than a mediocre life. You called us to something greater than sitting life out on the sidelines. Let your fire burn within us. Guys, can you bear with us for just another moment or two? I asked one of our elders, Mr. Robert, to come up because I'm convicted every time I'm around this man. How many of you would say the same? Because I haven't met anybody in a while that's got such a burning passion for souls and it reminds me and I wanted to ask him to come up 
And I, wanted, I asked him if he would pray over us for a renewed hunger yeah. for the heart of God, that our heart would beat in sync with his, because yeah. his heart is for people. So guys, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you need this. I'm going to ask all of you to extend your hands in receiving posture. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, this is your mandate. This is your mission. This is what Jesus himself is saying directly to your face. I understand the passion has waned. It's time to stir it up. It's time to stir it up again. Mr. Robert, will you pray? Sure. So, Father, we thank you. Jesus, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. Lord, we ask that you engraft your hearts in our hearts, God. Lord, that we would know how you feel toward lost people, the, the burden your heart feels for them, Father, the love, the compassion, the mercy. And Lord, that would be an extension of our lives. Lord, on a daily basis, you said, if you follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily. Lord, we deny ourselves. Help us to do it every day and go after you, Father. Make us aware, Lord, of those people around us in our sphere of influence, the people we rub shoulders to shoulders with every day, the people we talk to, whether it's at work or at school, our family members, Lord, that we know that don't know you. Lord, I pray for just that, that, that love. And Lord, I thank you. Your word says if we ask, believe and we receive, you'll give it to us, Lord. So, Lord, we ask, and I just declare over every person a boldness to proclaim your name. A boldness, Lord. You said your people are bold as lions. Lord, I just declare that over your people. God, we're not going to try to hide the light you've given us under a basket. Lord, we're going to let it shine bright. We're going to let it shine bright, Lord. And I just thank you for opportunities. Some of you, even today, are going to have opportunities to bring the good news of the gospel to people, whether it's by salvation, whether it's by healing, or whether it's by freedom. They're all around us every day. Lord, I pray you just make us aware of that. Make us aware, Father. Lord, we yield to you, and we give you all praise and glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it. How many of you receive it? Come on. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.